number seven, Stan Phillips. Happy hump day, Met fans. How are we all doing? Happy Wednesday to you. How about those Metsies? 10-0 blowout Tuesday night. Now, the game wasn't televised on SNY or PIX. Uh, there was no radio coverage. It was a game, uh, an away game in Jupiter. Marlin home game was only available on Marlins.com. Uh, I did get to uh, listen to some of it. Uh, but I didn't see any feeds for the game. I'm not sure if you guys did or not. I know there was video, looked like from behind the home plate, uh, the standard cam like they do in the minor league ballparks. If you ever had MILB.TV, uh, the one camera filming all the action. But uh, So you basically had to listen to Marlins radio play-by-play by play if you wanted to listen to the game. But what a game it was if you did listen. A 10 nothing blowout. And uh, I can't help but keep getting excited over this ball club. I know it's only preseason. I know we still have a week and a half or so to go to the regular season starts. But in this game, the Mets had 15 hits. And that is my dream, to have this team hitting like it did a few years ago. And who do I want hitting more than any other? And if you've been listening to these podcasts, I've been saying right along, Francisco Lindor. This is going to be his year. I keep saying it. And he hit two deep shots, one that went way over the fence in right field and another that reached a warning track in center field. So the power is back in Frankie's bat. Now, like I said, the only problem was last year he got a great spring training start in. Uh, just didn't do well the first two months of the regular season. That needs to be avoided, and hopefully it will be. But his four RBIs on the night led the team and even made it, he even made a nifty play in the field. And that's par for the course. He is just one of the best defensive shortstops out there. And I, as I've been saying right along, I don't think we appreciate how good he really is defensively. He's as good as they come. And uh, he dove to his left on a ground ball up the middle and threw the runner out at first base. Now, he continued his blazing hot start to spring training. And he is really looking forward to putting the season behind him. Uh, what, other, what were the other highlights? Well, our number three man. And isn't it nice to say that he's our number three man? He could be an ace on most, staff, most staffs. And Chris Bassett is our number three man. And he showed why New York traded for him as the righty showed from the very first pitch. In four and two-thirds innings, Bassett gave up four hits, no walks, no runs and strike out, struck out three on 69 pitches. And those are the kind of numbers we want to see. Uh, that's typical Bassett-like. And after cruising for much of the game, he found some trouble in the fourth inning, but quickly got out of it by striking out a batter and getting the next hitter to ground that week with a shortstop. Now, like Wendor, most of other Mets hitters got in on the action offensively. In fact, every starter had at least one hit. Brandon Nimmo began to heat up, going two for five with a home run, and it's good to see him back in the lineup, and two runs scored, pushing his spring and batting average to 222. 
And nice seeing James McCann back. He was held back from spring training games due to a bad back and got to start a catcher and got a base hit and an RBI, also calling a great game for Bassett. Dominic Smith and Jeff McNeil also had two hits apiece. So things were looking good for the Mets today, and that's good. Uh, now the next two games are being televised. We got the Astros, and I still think the Astros are still one of the best. Even though they lost Carlos Correa, I still think they're one of the best teams in baseball. And I, I know everything that happened with the Astros and a lot of people scoring them, but they're just a pleasure to watch. They're such a talented team, and uh, it's going to be a good game. It's on SNY tonight, so check it out. Uh, as always, we'll have a report on that game, but uh, it's going to be a fun one, and all these games are. It's just so good seeing this team mold together in the preseason games and really get their act together. And I am so impressed. Like I said, I've only watched maybe five games. Uh, whatever's on SNY, a couple of the live feeds that SNY did. And I am impressed by every off-season acquisition the Mets have had. Starling Marte is such a purebred athlete. He's going to be great, whether he's in center or right. But it's good to see that Buck Showalter wants him, wants him in right. And uh, Starling will play right. He's a team player. Kana is just an ultimate competitor. Great team guy. Great personality. As is Bassett. And Bassett's one of these guys that he could take New York storm, New York by storm by the time May and June comes around with a good start. He is that good a pitcher, folks. He really is. And everything else. Maybe even Robbie Cano. Well, he has, he's, Cano hasn't really hit well in spring training. But, you know, if he gets his uh, at-bats, maybe he can come around too. And I'll be rooting for him. I'm not a big fan of PED users who struck out twice because you think he would have learned after the first one. But... We have no choice, and I'll be rooting for Robbie Cano. And uh, everything else just needs to fall in place. Maybe McCann can hit a little bit better behind the plate. We'll see. And I think basically the lineup's pretty much set at this point among all the regulars, the starting rotation. So don't forget, Mets are going to be carrying two extra players. Uh, so we're going to see what they're going to do as far as depth is concerned. Uh, my thing is... Beginning of the season, you probably only need the five starters because not everyone's going to get the work right off the bat with off days sprinkled in here and there. So when you got that rotation of DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, Walker, and uh, Carrasco, Carrasco is going to be the question mark. Uh, we'll see how he uh, transpires the last week or so in camp. Uh, but I think the rest of the guys will probably be all bullpen guys. So I'm looking at right now, based on who has left the team already, I'm looking at maybe a bullpen of Diaz, Lugo, May, Castro, uh, Drew Smith, Adovino, Shreve, uh, Reed Foley, and Trevor Williams. So the Mets possibly could go with nine relievers. And uh, like I said, you got to get the starter pitcher back with uh, – to their regular strength of six, seven innings, but that may not be the case right away. Some guys may only go five innings the first couple times out. So it'll be interesting. And uh, I think the one guy uh, who we didn't expect to make the squad would be Travis Jankowski. Uh, he is, to me, he looks like he's going to be the ultimate utility outfielder. Uh, great defensively. 
could really uh, run the bases well, got good baseball instinct. He's a team player. He won't mind coming off the bench. So he could do it all. Anything that a reserve would have to do, like I say, pinch run, pinch it, whatever it may be, I think he's going to be the man who will be the, that one player we didn't expect coming into camp to actually make the ball club. Uh, but other than that, I think the roster is pretty much set, and it's going to be a good one. Now it's going to stink for me on the, as far as the regular season is concerned. As, as you guys know, I'm very high on Francisco Alvarez and Red Beatty, and it was fun seeing them. Uh, the highlight for me for Alvarez was that moonshot he hit in one of the games that was televised. And that's just a, a way of things to come for him, I think. Uh, but he left an impression with me. Uh, looks like he's going to fit right in with the team. Seems to have a good personality. But my goodness, for such a guy, he's only five foot nine, 240 pounds. What a spark plug he is. But he can hit the ball a country mile. Uh, and I guess, you know, he still has to learn a little bit about working the pitchers and uh, catching the pitches, pitch framing, as long as we don't have robo-umps. Uh, so he's going to get a chance to, you know, work on his arm and work on his energy and everything else that goes with being a great bat in the lineup. I don't think we need to be concerned about his bat at all. But you do want him to be good defensively, and he'll get a lot more time and effort. And we got James McCann for now. But I will tell you this. It won't be long until uh, Francisco Alvarez is up in the major leagues. So it looks like he's going to be a double-A Binghamton. And probably Brett Beatty, too. So Binghamton baseball is going to be fun to watch. Looks like I'm going to have to re get that MLIB.TV subscription after all. Now, we all think our rotation is the best, us Met fans. Well, sometimes you say, well, maybe it's because I'm a Met fan, I think that. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. MLB.com came out with their ratings of uh, pitching staffs, the starting rotations, I should say. MLB.com says the New York Mets have the best starting rotation in baseball, even better than the Brewers loaded in deep rotation, which was rated second and the Blue Jays' collection of potential aces, which was rated third. Uh, James McCann wasn't surprised. He says, it's not news to me. But is this the best rotation ever in Met history? Uh, right now, I would have to say yes. But again, you have to prove yourself. We've gone through Generation K thinking they'd be one of the best ever, although they were very young and inexperienced at the time. But you take it, these guys, all these guys that the Mets have in their top five starters, they're all in the prime of their careers. And on paper, they're as good as anybody. When you have two guys who have won multiple Cy Youngs at the top of rotation, and Chris Bassett, who was an all-star last year, uh, how can you not like this rotation? Like I said, the only question marks are going to be Carrasco coming off the elbow injury and Walker, who had off-season knee injury. Uh, but I think they'll work themselves out. The arm is the one I'm always... I think Walker will be fine. And he was just fatigued last year. Carrasco is the one where once you start dealing with the pitching arm, that's always a touchy subject. So hopefully things work out for him. But if it doesn't, it wouldn't worry me if Tyler McGill came in. Now, the other two uh, options are David Peterson and Trevor Williams. And David Peterson in preseason so far, if you've been watching the games, 
he has given up that long ball, which, I don't know, he throws a meatball every now and then. But his last start, he was he gave up a meatball there, too, that went over the wall. But he has pitched very, very well for the Metropolitans. Uh, but even Fangraphs says the Mets have the top rotation in baseball. And their guess is they'll have a cumulative 3.68 ERA. And that is pretty good because Fangraphs is never really one to give out good ratings. So 3.68 by Fangraphs is really, really impressive. And, but again, we got to conceal our excitement over this. Uh, remember DeGrom was hurt last year? Scherzer got fatigue at the end of the year in the playoffs, so it's a long season. But the potential to be a great rotation is there. The big thing here is health. So let's hope everybody stays healthy. Now, you guys know I'm a big fan of Tyler McGill. You know who else is a big fan? Al Leiter. He's uh, visiting the camp this week, and he watched uh, McGill for much of last year from afar. And he remains intrigued with the right-hander stuff as he like, likely may get some time with the Mets, maybe not at the beginning of the year, but sometime during the course of the year. Now, McGill was thrust into the Met rotation last season because injuries. But with veterans now ahead of him, it could be the bullpen or with AAA uh, Syracuse once opening day arrives next week. Uh, Leiter was impressed. He said McGill has a 97-mile-per-hour fastball with a good changeup. And uh, Leiter should know that guys with a good breaking ball uh, and who can throw that hard are usually effective in the major leagues. So it's going to be fun watching McGill. And Leiter's got a good eye for talent. Hey, his son isn't too bad either. But Leiter has joined Keith Hernandez, Piazza, Mookie Wilson, and David Wright coming in later this week as ex-Mets, who Uncle Steve is uh, encouraged to come down to camp, check out the players, uh, fraternize with them, just to give it the feel of Met history in camp. And I love that idea. And uh, Leiter has, uh, he's big friends with Jacob DeGrom, too. And even Leiter knows that you just look at Jacob DeGrom and there's your benchmark. That's who you tell the players to look at. He is perfect, DeGrom is, and Leiter concurs. And uh, it's not too bad when you have Max Scherzer on the ball club either now, is it? But I do love the fact that Al Leiter is in camp. Al is the ultimate gamer as a med pitcher. And who will ever forget that wild card performance against the Cincinnati Reds in 99? What a performance that was. Now we got a couple of birthdays to celebrate today. Jake Marisnik, who was with us uh, last year, he is celebrating a birthday today. And Terry Bross, happy birthday to Terry Bross. Who remembers Terry? It's his birthday too. Now, as far as Met transactions are concerned, on this date in 1971, the Mets traded Bill Dennehy and Dean Chance to the Detroit Tigers for, who remembers, this could be a potential trivia question at one time, Jerry Robertson. Who at home got that one? Raise your hands. Okay. Uh, other transactions on this date, you're asking? Well, the Mets released Jesus Alou. One of the trio of Alou brothers on this date in 1976. And on this date in 1977, the Mets traded Benny Ayala. Benny, who his first at-bat, he hit a home run for the Mets. 
to the St. Louis Cardinals for Doug Clary. Benny Ayala, there's a blast from the past. I was watching the game when he hit that first home run, and what an impression that made. And I became a fan of Benny ever since. Uh, he's on Facebook if you want to friend him. Uh, he's a cool dude. Uh, good sense of humor and great personality. Benny Ayala. Now, I, I know there's other Mets out there who hit a home run on their first step, and I just can't remember, but I know Benny's definitely one of them. Uh, on this date in 1985, the Mets traded Ken Reed and Gene Autry to the White Sox for Randy Neiman. And Randy stuck around long enough to be part of that 1986 Miracle Met Ball Club. Uh, let's see, anything else going on on this date that I can tell you about? Uh, I'm just thumbing through my notes here. Oh, yes, in 1992, speaking of Terry Bross, the birthday boy, the Mets traded Terry Bross to the Padres for Greg Bullock. Who remembers Greg Bullock? If you do, you're really a big Met fan. In this date in 1994, the Mets traded Steve Wong to the Marlins for Robert Person. Robert got some time with the Mets, as you recall. And the Mets traded A.Y., Anthony Young, and Aldis Smith to the Cubs for Jose Vizcayano. And then on this date in, let's see what else we got here in the old note folder. As you can see, we just do what we got to do. Uh, this is an unscripted show. We just go with the flow. And on this date in 2001, the Mets traded the man who may, now it depends on your point of view, had the greatest catch in Met history, traded Andy Chavez to the Kansas City Royals for Mike Curry. Yes, the Andy Chavez era was over. Who has that bobblehead when, of Andy making that catch in uh, Game 7 of the 2006 NLCS? I don't have that, and I need to go and search that out for my collection. Yeah, I'm one of those geeks now. Like Ever since the Mets started giving away bobbleheads, I'm part of the bobblehead craze. Yeah, I should get my head bobbled. Anyway, uh, in 2005, the Mets claimed Wilson Valdez on waivers from the Chicago White Sox. And what else do we have here in my, our bag of goodies? On this date in 2009, the Mets signed free agent Ken Takahashi. I always like Ken. I think I liked his last name more than uh, his actual performance on the field. On uh, this date in 2010, the Mets claimed Manny Acosta on waivers from the Atlanta Braves. Remember Manny? And on this date in 2013, the Mets released Danny Herrera. And on this date in... Two thousand fifteen, the Mets traded Corey Mazzoni to the Padres for Alex Torres. And on this date on two thousand fifteen, the Mets traded Matt Dendecker 
to the Washington Nationals for Jerry Blevins. That was a good trade. Uh, Blevins filled his role well. I was always high on Den Decker. I thought he was one of the best center fielders I ever saw defensively. Unfortunately, he never uh, matched his defensive prowess with his bat. But he was unbelievable defensively. And I thought he would have had a more promising career in baseball, but it never panned out. But I was amazed. Uh, I was very high on him defensively. He's one of those guys you would carry on your ball club just to have the glove out there. He was that good. Uh, I was rooting for him, but there just wasn't room. The numbers weren't there eventually. And now we got Brandon Nimmo out there. So uh, Den Decker would have been getting limited time if he was still around at this point in time. So those were all your transactions for today. Today being March 30th. A lot happened. Always does around this time of year in that land. Now let's talk a little bit about Jake Marisnik, shall we? Uh, the Mets got him in exchange for left-handed pitcher Blake Taylor and outfielder Kennedy Corona. He played in 16 games for the Mets in 2020 in that COVID year. And he hit 333, 353, 606 with two homers over 33 at-bats. So he did well in his limited time. Uh, he was always a good player, very exciting player. But like I said, he didn't play that much with us. But he was always, I always thought he, that's another guy I thought probably had more talent and should have really developed it better than what he did. Uh, I know this year he signed a minor league contract with the Rangers. I'm not sure if he's making the ball club or not. Uh, but he signed a one-year contract with the Cubs after the Mets season in 2020. And then he was traded to the Padres. So he's been bouncing around. I always thought he was more talented, uh, but just never really lived up to his potential. But I did think he was a damn good ball player defensively. So hopefully he can latch on somewhere and uh, continue his career, major league career this year. Now let's talk about Terry Bross. I think Terry Bross is one of those guys we all rooted for because he was a hometown guy. Uh, he pitched for St. John's University, and uh, you can't help but root for a guy who pitches for St. John's, and he helped them to a Big East championship in a Final Four in uh, baseball. Well, he was actually a two-sport star, I should say, and he was a center for the school's basketball team, and he helped St. John's to a Big East championship in a Final Four appearance. And on the baseball field, he anchored the team's pitching staff and helped the team to another Big East championship on the diamond. Now, he was drafted by the Mets in the 13th round of the 87 amateur draft. He was signed on June 10, 1987, and he quickly moved through the Mets system. Things were looking good, and he set a saves record at A Jackson. He ultimately pitched at the Mets bullpen in 91, as well as for the San Francisco Giants in 1993. Uh, all told, he only pitched in 10 games and had a career ERA of 3.00, but he did make his mark overseas. He went on to play for the, in Nippon Professional Baseball for the Occult Swallows and the Cebu Lions from 95 to 99, and he led the Central League and earned an average of 95 with a 2.33 ERA, and he also pitched for the no-hitter for the Swallows in 95, so he had a good career overseas in the Japan League. Now it's time to talk about what's going on in the greatest group there is in uh, Facebook land. If you're a Met fan, that's New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. If you're on Facebook and aren't aware of the group, please do check us out. Subscribe. We have good content there every day. Great members, 
Great civilized Met conversation every day. So it's New York Mets baseball way of life. Check us out. If you're not a subscriber to this podcast, please, by all means, do subscribe. You'll be alerted every time one comes up. We have one coming up every day during the regular season, so you won't want to miss any of them. And uh, we'll be covering the Mets from A to Z every day when it comes to the, what's going on on and off the field. Uh, so please do subscribe and tell your friends about us too. Now, before we go into what's going on in the group, we are going to, as always, give you the Met trivia and Jeopardy question of the day. Who is ready? Who is ready? Now, the trivia question is, who has played the most games as Met DH? Lock in your answer. We'll be back later with the answer. And two clues for the Met Jeopardy today. Tied for the Mets lead in triples with two in 2004. And he wore Johan Santana's number 57 while he also was a Met. So those are two clues. Tied for the Mets lead in triples with two in 2004. And he wore number 57 as a Met. So what's going on in the group? We had a great picture of Willie Mays presenting the uh, Rookie of the Year Award to Daryl Strawberry for his performance in 1983. Then we mentioned it's hard to believe it's been 22 years already, but it's 22 years ago that at the Tokyo Dome, the Mets defeated the Chicago Cubs in 11 innings, 5-1 on Benny Agbayani's pinch hit grand slam. Roy Ordonez, Ray Ordonez committed an error in the game, and that also ended his major league record streak of 101 consecutive errorless games at shortstop. With a swipe of second base, Ricky Henderson joined Ted Williams as the only major league player to steal a base in four different decades. So a lot going on in that game. And who remembers that? I remember going to work and I was walking through Penn Station. People were actually watching the game like wherever they had TV monitors in Penn Station. It was like 7.30 in the morning. A day I'll never forget. Now, unfortunately, also on this date in 2001, uh, one of the big Met prospects at the time, Brian Cole, uh, was killed when driving an SUV home to Mississippi, and it flipped over. He stole 69 bases the previous year and was voted the organization's Player of the Year in 2000. So a sad day, sad, sad day. Uh, we also mentioned that David Freight is the franchise leader in hits with 1,777, followed by Jose Reyes with 1,534 and Ed Cranepool 1,418. And we mentioned that in mid-history, only five relievers have recorded two more seasons of 65-plus appearances with an ERA under three. And they are Jaris Familia, Jerry Blevins, Billy Wagner, Armando Martinez, and Jeff Innes. Now that makes up quite a bullpen, doesn't it? And how about Felix Mion? We gave you this interesting stat in the group. In 6,325 at-bats, he only struck out 242 times. You remember Felix, the guy who choked up down the bat? He always put the ball in play, and he was a three-time All-Star and two-time Gold Glove Award winner with the Braves, and he helped us get to the World Series in 73. Always have fond memories of Felix Mion. Then we noted the fact that Rusty Hilda, I don't know how her name is pronounced, Gloria Cucos Malero uh, noted that it was 
uh, four years ago that we lost to a Grand Orange, the great rusty stop. We posted a video of, boom, Francisco Lindor's home run in the game last night. And Lenny Dykstra tweeted that he will be throwing out the first ball with Daryl Strawberry. Well, he'll be helping Brandon Bill to the mound for the first pitch on Autism Awareness Day on April 16th. Uh, and Daryl Strawberry walking out with him. So that should be something to see. Lenny and Daryl uh, heading to the mound at City Field. I wonder if Ron Darling's doing the game. But before I digress on that, uh, looks like Buck Showalter is actually going to make Starling Marte the starting right fielder. And we've been speculating that right along. So that's about what's going on in the group. And uh, I guess it's time to tell you how you did on the trivia and Jeopardy question, isn't it? Okay, let's do that then. The trivia question once again was, and this was courtesy of our good friend Harvey Porras, who I like to call our Met historian. He's been watching the Mets since day one. And he said, who has played the most games is Met DH. Well, the correct answer is Mike Piazza with 34. And guess who got it? One of our trivial whizzes, Kareem Hayward, was the first to submit the correct answer in the group. And our Jeopardy had two clues. Tied for the Mets lead in triples with two in 2004. And he wore number 57 as a Met. Well, the correct response to the Met final Jeopardy there is, who was Eric Vallant? And congrats to Dave Philippe, or Dave Phillip. I think it's Dave Phillip. I'm uh, being the first to submit the correct answer. Dave knows his Met stuff, and we're glad to have him in the group. So that's going to wrap up another great Met podcast. Again, thank you for listening. As always, I want to express the fact that it means the world to me that you guys listen. Check in tomorrow. We'll have a recap of the game with the Astros. Enjoy your hump day. Hopefully the weather starts warming up. I think it should. I think Thursday would have been opening day at City Field, and it looks like a rainy day. So maybe things happen for a reason. Maybe it's a good thing opening day is going to be on, what, April 15th? Yeah, Friday, right? I think it's the 15th. Anyway, that's it for us here on the podcast. Check back tomorrow with more. And again, thanks as always. Let's go, Mets. Meet the Mets,
the time of your life because the Mets 